hope you have your Bibles with you. You're going to need them. You're always going to need your Bibles when you're here, so I want to encourage you, whether they're electronic or, you know, the old-fashioned, those of us who are a little older, get them out. If you've got uh, some, if you have an electronic Bible and you need to get onto our Wi-Fi, it's Cornerstone with a capital C. I don't know if you've heard about an upcoming reality show called Preachers of L.A., premiering next month, goes behind the pulpit to see the lifestyles of millionaire preachers in Los Angeles. I want to see, I want you to see this clip that we're going to show you on this reality show. And I want you to listen carefully with discernment. of every sin, sins of omission, sins of commission in the name of Jesus. Every chain can be broken. Every shackle can be broken. You're part of the family of God. God, we ask and we believe for your healing power and grace to touch his body and make him whole. Just by here say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. I believe in my heart. I believe in my heart. That Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for my sins. In Jesus' name, Jesus. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm Bishop Clarence E. McClendon. My name is Dietrich Haddon. I'm Wayne Chaney. My name is Jay Hazel. My name is Noel Jones. The Bible says that I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I believe that. P. Diddy, Jay-Z, they're not the only ones who should be driving Ferraris and living in large houses. The Bible says that those who sow among us should reap from us. That's implying that the preacher is to be taken care of. That's the prosperity gospel. And it's been exported. Do you know this? It's been exported from America around the world. And its basic teaching is that God wants all of his children Wealthy, healthy, and living lives of ease. And today we're going to look at the opening greeting. We're going to be in the book of Jude. We're looking at the opening greeting, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to see what true prosperity looks like and how we can pray for others to possess it in abundance. What is true prosperity and how do you pray for others to possess it in abundance? Would you stand with me? We're going to read from the Word of God. We stand to give respect to the infallible and errant Word of God, whose authority is over us. Here's what it says, verses 1 and 2. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. You may be seated. I'm going to give you a few points today on what true prosperity is and how you can pray for other people to possess it 
and abundance. So the first truth that I want to show you, and this is, this is the foundation one, and ironically, it might be the most boring of the three and the most difficult for us to get. But I think it's the foundation, and here it is. The first truth that we see in these two little verses is, that, is the humility that every Christian should have. The humility that every Christian should have. So right off the bat, let me, let me get you engaged, ready? I'm going to define for you in two ways what I think the word humility is best defined as. Ready? Here it is. Number one, it means to lie low to the ground. Now, if you're writing and you're taking notes, you ought to be writing that in there. Maybe even write it in your Bibles. If you've got electronic Bibles, you can put notes in there. Lie low to the ground. That's what humility means. That's its most basic, essential definition. Lie low to the ground. But here's, a, here's another definition that may sink in a little bit more, might be easier to uh, grasp. It doesn't mean to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. So I'm telling you from Jude that the first truth he shows us is the humility that every Christian should have. And I'm defining it for you. It means to lie low to the ground, meaning that you want to lift up everybody else around you and lift up God. It means to lie low to the ground. And it doesn't mean to think less of yourself. It means to think of yourself less. Here's what Jude says. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. He says, I'm a bond servant. I'm a bond servant of Jesus. Now listen, friends. You just heard about slavery. It's alive. It's rampant all over the world. In America, in the Lehigh Valley, in Allentown, and it's in Easton. But slavery is all through the Bible. And a bond servant means you're a slave for life. And a bond servant of Jesus means you're a slave for life to Jesus. Now we've got friends here who are black, who are coming from a background where slavery is one of the worst things you can mention. And I would agree, it's horrible. So I want to, I want to help you understand that slavery in the Old Testament, slavery in God's people, is not the slavery that we all know about, the horrible travesty of what we're familiar with. Because God's law strictly forbade the abuse of a slave. It protected slaves. It gave slaves rights. It gave slaves eventual freedom. But a bond servant, now here's where you've got to grab into this, ready? A bond servant was one who voluntarily gave himself in a permanent relationship of servitude to another. Now you hear that? I'm going to say it again. A bondservant, biblically. Jude says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus. A bondservant is one who gives themselves voluntarily. They're freed. Seven years have gone by. They're freed. And they say, out of love for their master and out of appreciation for how the master provides, I want to be your slave for life. And what that master would do in the Old Testament is take that slave and put his ear to a beam in his home and punch an all through it and put a ring. That was the symbol that this man, this woman, was now a bond servant to his or her master. 
So Jude sees himself as a slave who's been set free from the cruel bondage of the law of God. It's all of the, all of the, the weight of the law of God. He's set free from bondage and it's condemnation by Christ's sacrifice. And he's now given his life willingly to Jesus. Did you hear all that? He says, Jesus, you've set me free. Can you understand? Brother and sister, Jesus set you free. Jude understands where you are. He says, Jesus, you've set me free from the weight and the condemnation of living under the the law. You've set me free through your death, your burial, your resurrection. You've set me free from the power of sin and made me now serve you. And I want to give you my life voluntarily the rest of it. I'm going to give all of it to serve you. See, this is humility. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less than Jesus more. This is humility. This is a glad devotion of service to the one who deserves infinite glory. His name is Jesus. Now, how remarkable. Now, you you got to sort of get into the, the shoes of Jude. How remarkable this humility is when you remember that at one point, Jude and his whole family thought Jesus was crazy. Jude's the brother of Jesus. Jesus had four brothers. He had sisters. He had a mom. We don't know what happened to Joseph. But they all went in Mark chapter 3. When this family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying he's out of his mind. They thought he went nuts. They didn't believe. Jude didn't believe. James didn't believe. Another brother of Jesus. Not until after the resurrection of Jesus. And then his family believed. Then his family was saved. And from that moment on, Jude yielded his own life's plans to the plan of his Savior. He identified himself as the glad, willing slave for life to Jesus. Now listen, let me ask you a question. It's no good just hearing me preach without you interacting with this. You ought to be asking yourself at this point, am I, do I consider myself a slave for life to Jesus? No longer having rights. I've given them up. I've yielded them. Jesus, you tell me what to do. I will do it. You tell me where to go. I will follow. No matter the cost, I will pick up my cross. I will deny myself daily and I will serve you. That's humility. Lying low to the ground, thinking more of Jesus than yourself. This is humility. It's where we begin as we learn to contend for the faith. This is why Jude opens with this. If you're going to learn to be a fighter for the faith of God, and if you're going to discern false teaching and false preaching, then you've got to have humility. And to the extent... Listen, this blew my mind. This is not my quote. This is a quote from Ligon Duncan from Alabama, who I think beat Texas A&M. Neither of which I care. And the, here's what he said. And the extent of a person's humble service, the extent of a person's humble service is the criteria for his or her greatness. You want greatness in life? Now listen, do you want to be great? Do you want to be great in the kingdom of God? You know what's going to determine your greatness more than anything else, Christian brother and sister? It will be your humble 
service. But then you've got prosperity preaching, and we saw a little bit of it in that, in that clip. You've got this, this ugly, this defiled heresy that presents a God who exists to satisfy us. What a contrast to our author Jude. Can you imagine Jude in that video clip? What a contrast to those preachers as he gets up and he says, you know what, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a bond servant for Jesus. I've just given him everything I got willingly, voluntarily for the rest of my days. We see the humility that every Christian should have. But you know what? We're going to work our way through. Guess what you're going to see now? You're going to see the identity, the identity that every Christian possesses. Now listen, let me ask you a sobering question. And I need everybody to think about this because you know what? There's a lot of people here today that I don't know. So I don't know and I cannot climb inside your heart. And you can't climb inside mine. So let me ask this question. Have, have you, and I'm speaking individually to you, have you, each of you, have you put your trust in the work of Jesus to save you from your sins? Have you put your trust in that? Now listen, in a group this size, that's not everybody. I'm sure of it. The road is narrow that leads to eternal life. It is broad that leads to destruction. There's always more people going, unfortunately, to hell than those going to eternal life with Jesus. So have you put your trust... Now listen, you're looking at me and I'm looking at you. If I could, I'd be right in your living room with you. This is where I prefer to be, right in your living room. But I'm, I can't be there. But let me ask you, have you put your trust in Jesus and what He did on the cross to save you from your sins? And have you come to him and said, Jesus, I am a sinner. And because of that sin, it has created a breach between you, holy God, and me, sinner. And my good works can't bridge it. My church attendance can't bridge it. My great intent can't cover that breach. But I know the cross fits that breach. Over that cross of Jesus Christ, God, you can bring your mercy to me and grab my hand and bring me to eternal life. Have you done that? Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus? Listen, if you have done that, and why I'm, I'm taking a little bit more time to walk you through that, because if you've done that, Christian brother and sister, I can't wait to tell you what Jude tells you about your identity. You want to know who you are in Christ? If you want to be able to get into the ring and be able to fight for the faith, you've got to know who you are, and Jude will tell you clearly who you are in Jesus. He says, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. That's you, Christian. Called, beloved, and kept. What's that mean? Well, let's look at the first one. You're called. There's lots of ways to understand that word calling. One of them is this. Ready? It's to receive an invitation. Somebody called you up and invited you to a party. That's not this word. But that's one way that the word called is defined. This word means to be summoned. 
It's not just to receive an invitation. That's too weak. It's to be summoned by the one who's doing the calling. It's to be chosen and summoned. That's the way this word is almost always used, but in one time, and I believe it's in Matthew, it's always meaning chosen and its synonym summoned. In fact, Revelation 17:14 ties them together. For they, they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. So called means chosen, and it means summoned. It's this summoning grace that you see scattered all over the Bible. You see it in John 6.44 from Jesus Himself. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws Him, summons Him, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Now listen, there's a general invitation that goes out to every human being And the power of the cross is sufficient to save them all. But this calling, this summons, is the internal moving of God's grace, turning the warring heart of a sinner to a glad and willing, grace-filled receiver. Christian, I want to tell you something. God chose you. You want to know who you are? You're somebody that God had in His eye before He created the world. He chose you before He created this world, but at a specific point in your life, He issued to you your summons by grace, and He drew you to Him for salvation. You're called. Now listen, I want you to hear this carefully. You're called, Christian brother and sister, but those who teach falsehood deliberately are not. No matter how good they look, no matter the degrees that they've got, the verses that they're going to quote, they are wolves and they will deceive many. You are called, you've been issued a summons from God and by His grace, He brings you into salvation. But listen, there's another point of your identity. You, Christian, are beloved in God the Father. If you got the KJV and some other versions, it says you're sanctified. That's not really a good translation of the word. It means to be beloved. And this is the only place in the entire New Testament where you're going to read this phrase, beloved in God the Father. Notice the Jew doesn't say you're beloved by God the Father. You've got to listen. This is huge when you're studying the Word of God. Every single word matters. You're not beloved by God, Jude says. You're beloved in God. God the Father. So let me get technical for a moment. Just for a moment. And I understand this probably about as well as you do. But I can, I've got a commentary that can explain it to me. So I'm going to explain it to you. This is the Greek perfect participle. And what that means is this. We are in this love, Christian brother and sister. You're in this love 
because it's been manifested in the past in your life, the moment that summons came, and it's going to continue to be manifested forever. That's the Greek perfect participle, something that occurred in the past will keep on occurring forever and ever and ever. If you've been issued a summons and God by His grace has brought you into salvation, that He has shown His love to you, He has brought you into that love, and He will give you that love streaming it down for all of your days. It's the reality of our position the moment that you're called into salvation through Jesus. It's a permanent position, the beloved in God for all eternity. And this is what Paul says, neither death nor life, angels or rulers, things present nor things to come, powers, height, debt, anything else in all creation, none of them will be able to separate us from the love of God. Look what it says, in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, being beloved in God is more of who we are in Him than only the affection that God has for us. Because we think about that and we think, well, God is so loving and that He is. But this is talking about a position. It's who we are in Jesus. Now, I want to show you the greatest teaching on this truth, and it's from the prayer of Jesus for us. He says this, I have made your name known to them. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those who will believe on their message, us. He's praying to the Father. I have made your name, Father, known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you hear what he's saying? This is mind-blowing. You want to know who you are? Christian, you want to know who you are in Christ? You want to know your identity? The Father, Jesus is praying, Father, put our love, our love, the love that we share, Jesus and the Father, put our love in them. Those that you have called and chosen and issued the summons and brought by your grace into salvation, put our love in them. I'm in them, he's saying. I have joined to them through faith. As a man joins a man through marriage. Christian, listen to me. You've got to take this back to the Scriptures. Listen, take it back to the Word of God. Discern if what I'm saying is true. The Heavenly Father does not love you any less than He loves His own Son. Did you hear that? You want to know who you are in Christ? You want to know the incredible riches that you possess? The Father loves you no less than He loves His own Son. The love that we share, Father, put it in them. This is who we are in Christ. Listen, if you had a spiritual driver's license as a Christian and you pulled it out, it's going to say you are called, chosen before the creation of this world and you have the love of God upon you, the very love that He has for His Son and He is keeping you in that love. This is the name tag fixed on your soul. The names that God has written there, you are the called You've been summoned by grace into God's redemptive story. You are His servant for life. 
And you are the beloved joined to Him and an eternal relationship of love having entered into that same unbreakably powerful love that the Father and the Son shares. Do you think that you could ever have such a dismal week of sin that God could finally say, I no longer love you? It's not possible. Because His mercies are new every morning. You have that love. And you, Christian, number three, you're, you're kept for Jesus Christ. You're called, you're loved, you're kept. You know, my brother used to do a really weird thing every single Easter. When all of us received, we had six kids in our family, when all of us received the chocolate bunny in that box, he would never open that box. He placed it on a bookshelf with all the other bunnies from the years before. And years would go by, and those bunnies would reshape into near unrecognizable and edible blobs of chocolate. We would ask him, John, why? Oh, why would you do this with this precious chocolate? Here's his answer. Every year. I'm keeping them. For what? I'm just keeping them. Christian, we are being kept for, look what it says, for His Son. For we are the church, the bride of Christ. He is keeping us with His preserving, enduring, and protecting grace. And you get to see this in the prayer of Jesus again in John 17. Holy Father, keep them in Your name. While I was with them, I was keeping them in Your name which You have given me, and I guarded them. And not one of them perished but the son of perdition, so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. The Scripture says that Judas was going to be lost. But I've kept them. You know, I have a recurring nightmare. And parents, I bet you might have had them too. It's a nightmare that I was helpless to prevent an injury or a loss to one of my children. A loss of one of my children. You ever had that dream? How many of you have had that dream? I would wake up from that dream in tears until I realized it was only a dream to which I thanked God a hundred times and prayed for the protection of my children. And then I would wake up in the morning and I would implant location devices in the wrist and strap on chest harnesses. Matthew, I just finally found a, stre- a chest harness big enough for Matthew. It a little, looked a little weird at Music Fest, but he's going to be all right. Parents, we want to protect our children. The thought of losing them terrifies us. God will not lose one of His children. For He has the power, listen, He's got the power to keep them for His Son. So listen to Jude, to listen to, listen to how Jude is preparing the church to deal with apostates and false teachers. The false teacher was never called. The false teacher never participated in the love that the Father has for the Son. The false teacher is not kept by God. And look what it says in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all, that they all are not of us. Christian, this is who you are. 
And you've got to know who you are before you step into that ring. Know that God has called you into your salvation. And you enter into that fight as a servant. You contend, verse 3, for that faith as a servant, a bond servant. And know the love. Know the love that you've entered into and that you share. The very love that the Father and the Son share, it's been given to you and you've been put into that love. And know the very power of God that guards you and keeps you for His Son, Jesus Christ. You know what, ladies? Let me tell you something. And men too, you who are single. You know what the best gift you're going to give your future spouse? It's that gift of purity. And as you're walking down that aisle one day, or you're standing at the end of that aisle ready to receive, what an amazing day that will be as you walk down. If you walk down that aisle having kept yourself pure for that person. It's one of the best gifts you'll ever give. Well, God's doing it too. God's keeping us pure. God's keeping us in the faith. God's guarding our faith so that He can present us to His Son in the great marriage supper of the Lamb. So humility is something that Jude evidences. It's something that beats in Jude's life, lying low to the ground, not thinking less of himself, but thinking of himself less. And then Jude says, listen, you've got to know who you are, Christian, before you get into that ring, because if you don't, the lies of Satan are going to chew all through your soul. You are called. You are the beloved in God, the Heavenly Father, and you are kept for Jesus Christ. And then Jude shows us the third point. Jude shows us the true blessings that every Christian should pray for. Now, listen, I want you to, I want you to see this short clip of Jan Crouch from the Trinity Broadcast Network. And just before we roll it, you might be wondering, well, why is he, why is he dropping names? Why is he dropping names? Why is he calling out people by name? That's a great question, one that I'd encourage you to get to our website and read my blog that's going to be up there maybe tonight or tomorrow. But watch this video with me. It's like it's always been the little women that caught the vision of giving, beginning with Jesus himself, out of their private means. Some of you little precious ones have that little grocery money. Some of that little money set aside. Assure tonight the blessings of God on your family by giving it to God and speaking that. Say it. God, this is for blessings on my family. I love that. So ladies, take your grocery money. You, know, you obviously got it from Elijah. And that widow with her only little boy that trusted in what Elijah said enough to give him oil and flour. Take your grocery money, ladies, and I want you to, she wants you to send them into their broadcasting network. Listen, this is the prosperity gospel. And if you listen closely, you're going, you, you heard, listen, if you're listening closely, you heard what is central to prosperity teachers. Listen, here it is. Now you better, you better listen because I'm going to show you another video and you're going to hear it loud and clear. You've got to name the blessing that you want. You've got to name it. 
And then you repeat it over and over and over until you believe it. It's called positive confession. And then God will give it to you a hundredfold as you give it to Him. Listen for that in this video. Hallelujah! This is your week. This is it. It's over. This is it. It's Dr. Leroy Thompson, who with uh, his lead pastor, Pastor Creflo Dollar, used to be Michael Smith, renamed his name, from the World Changers Church International Atlanta, Georgia. That's what they do in their church. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And brings it back to Jude. Fight the good fight of the faith. Now listen, God wants you to prosper, Christian. But His riches are spiritual. And they're found in and they're found through Jesus Christ. And Jude tells us what these riches are. He says, verse three, or verse 2, May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Now pay attention to that multiplied to you because Peter mentions it twice. He prayed, May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. See, Jude's saying, here's your incredible riches. Here they are. They're in Christ. And I'm going to pray for you to have them. And I'm going to pray for them to be multiplied in you. Here's your riches, Christian. Mercy, peace, and love. And every single blessing of God comes from those three. You won't find an exception. So pray for mercy to be multiplied. Jude says you've got permission. Pray for it. And not only for yourself, pray for other Christians. Pray for mercy to be multiplied. Our greatest need's not money. It's not affirmation. Listen, people can make a need out of anything, and when they make a need out of something, it goes to an idol. And when it goes to an idol, you center your life around it. When it gets to an idol and you center your life, you're enslaved. You can make a need out of anything. Our greatest need's not money. It's not affirmation from others. It's not to love ourselves, as you hear in pop theology. You've got to love yourself. You can't love others until you love yourself. Really? Find a verse. Find Jesus teaching that. 
The greatest need is the mercy of God every day to undo the effects and the misery of personal sin and sin that's been committed against us. That's what we need mercy for. And there's never a moment that we don't need God's mercy. And because we're in his love, there's never a moment he's not willing to give it. Did you hear that? There's never a moment in your life that you're not in need, that I'm not in need of God's mercy. Listen, I sin terribly. Some of you know me better than others, and you know what I speak is truth. I'm in need of God's mercy, and I know our loving God is always willing to give it. What a privilege it is to be able, like Jude, to pray for more and more mercy for Christians. Lord, meet them in their need. Lord, take away their misery that their sins have brought them. Take away the misery that that person who sinned against them brought them. And let your kindness increase toward them every single moment of their lives. That's how you pray for other Christians. That's a spiritual richness that you can pray to be multiplied. What a privilege to pray for mercy for those who are still under the wrath of God because they've not said yes to His offer and His summons of salvation. God, be merciful to them. Save them. Rescue them through the gospel of Jesus. Multiply your mercies to them so that they are persuaded to come to you. And Jude says, pray for peace to be multiplied. Listen, there's now I really want you to see this, and you can check this out for yourself this week. But there's never a biblical greeting that starts with peace and then proceeds to mercy or grace. You won't find it. It doesn't start with peace and mercy to you or peace and grace to you. It's always grace and peace, mercy and peace to you. The mercy of God is what makes peace possible. Can't have peace without it. But once that mercy floods then it makes way for a stream of peace to fill the soul. You know what peace is? I mean, listen, there are books and books and books written to describe and define the peace of God. You know what it is? I'm going to just bring it down simple. It all reduces to this phrase. It is friendship with God. That's what peace is. Peace is friendship with God. So you've got to remember, Jude is a missionary evangelist. He's not a pastor at a single church. He traveled. He taught the faith. He led people to Christ. They gathered in churches to worship and grow and learn and to love each other. But now, now false teachers are secretly slipping into these churches. And he's exposing them. He's calling the people of God to battle for the faith. And maybe Jude recalls what Jesus prayed in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Because you know what? He knows. And friends, listen. Kim bears witness. She asks us to pray for them. You enter that ring you contend for the faith in the midst of the darkness all around this region then you're going to need to know and be reminded that God's peace can be multiplied to you in the midst of persecution. 
And his friendship with you will give you the strength to endure. So Jude says, pray for mercy. And pray that it's multiplied. Pray for peace. Pray that it's even more immeasurable tomorrow than it is today. And thirdly, finally, pray for love. Pray for love to be multiplied. You see, God's love doesn't grow toward us. He already loves us perfectly. But the realization of God's love grows. Now let me just say this, and it's one of the most difficult and prevalent problems that I've seen in all the 20-something years of counseling that I've done. If you struggle with shame, shame is a sense that there's something defective in you. And it stains your soul. You can't shake it. Not in your own effort. If you struggle with shame, it shuts the grace of God off like a a circuit breaker. If you're married to somebody that struggles with shame, or you're friends with somebody that struggles with shame, you'll know what I'm about to tell you. When you tell them good things about them, it's like the mute button goes on. And when you have anything critical to say, it's like a volume 10 all the way up. That's shame. It's this pernicious sense that there's something defective about me. And it drives people sometimes to perfectionism, drives people to eating disorders, cutting. Drives them to a whole host of addictions. But listen, the antidote to shame is not to think that tomorrow God will love you more than he does today. It's to realize and believe and trust that, Christian, you are rich in God's love. He already loves you with all the love that he's ever going to love you. It's the very same love that he has for his son. You can't get more love out of God's heart than you've got right now. And that's the gospel, and that gospel message has to permeate your mind, and it's got to remove distorted lies, and it's got to replace them with knowledge. This is who I am in Christ. I am called by Him by grace. I am beloved in God, and I am kept for Jesus, and He is flooding mercy to me. He is streaming peace to me, His friendship, and He's got love that I can realize more tomorrow than I can today. And it's this love that Paul says has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit of God who has been given to us. You know what your English translation can't make clear? It's, again, another Greek grammar means that this, the love that was poured, is continually being poured. You wake up tomorrow morning, you've got a stream of love of God coming into your heart through the Spirit of God. And it's meant to overfill. It's meant to overflow. It's meant to stream from our hearts to people in need of love. It's meant to come from our hearts to those near us that we, that we struggle to love. That's the love of God is being poured in so that it will overflow. What an incredible blessing for every Christian to walk securely in. Our God loves us every moment of every day with the same love he has for Jesus. So Jude prays, let your love be multiplied. God, multiply their understanding of your love. Bring it to the fullest understanding and the practice. Now listen, Christian, I'm almost done. Listen to this. These are your blessings. 
These are your blessings. I know what Creflo Dollar is saying. I know what Leroy Thompson's saying. I know what Jan Crouch and the millionaire preachers of L.A. are saying. Listen, that's false teaching. Your blessings are your spiritual riches in Christ. And you are being streamed in the, the heart, your heart, Christian, with mercy, with peace, with love. Why? Because he's called you to salvation by his grace. And he has put you into the love of the Father and he is keeping you for Jesus, his son. You know what that does? Drives you to your knees in humility. He says, I want to get lower than this ground. I want to get so low that everybody around me looks high. I want to get even lower so that God is fully exalted to his rightful place. I want humility in my heart. I want to not think less of me. That's shame. I want to think of myself less. That's humility. And I want to serve. And I want to come into this redemptive story of God's saving grace. And I want to give it to people. I want love to stream out of my heart to people. And I want to show people there's mercy for them. And I want to give them a glimpse of the friendship that they can have with God. Why? Because I Know who I am in Jesus. If you're going to get into the ring and you're going to learn to contend for the faith, you must know these things. And know them well because your enemy and my enemy are going to drop lies. And if those seedlings take root, you will be absolutely ineffective and you run the danger of apostasy. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know you're called by His grace? You're the beloved in God the Father. You're kept for Jesus Christ. Do you know the riches that you have? They're limitless. Because His mercy is every morning brand new for you. And His peace is constantly flooding into you because He wants to be your friend. He's